Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan with Brandon Piller today. As always, the Locked On Senators podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got 16 amazing flavors, half with nut and half without. All of them, however, are 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. And for a limited time, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON and get $10. Yes, that's a beer on us on your first purchase. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Why, you ask? Well, it's 20 grams of protein, but only 170 calories. Do the math on that, and it comes out to not only a health-conscious protein bar, but a tasty one at that. So go to BuiltBar.com, put in promo code LOCKEDON, and get yourself $10 off your first box of Built Bar. Today on the Locked On Senators podcast, we're very excited to have the newest member of the organization officially signed on April 11th, Kevin Mandalise, and his hardware did not stop at the signing of that contract. He was just named the Quebec League Goalie of the Year. We asked him what his favorite goalie was growing up, who impressed him at Sens Camp when he was there last year, and what his expectations are going forward. We also do our Sens Central Draft Rankings and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, May 21st. Pilsy. Canadian Sense is, you know what it is? No, let's hear it. We've talked about it a lot, actually, throughout the season, especially with Chris Phillips getting his number retired, but it was the Chris Phillips signature game. His goal in double overtime of the 2003 conference finals to send the game to game seven. It was in New Jersey. It was back and forth, and it was the one-arm salute of a lifetime on in 2003. Do you, do you remember where you were even? I'm. You said that you were sense fan a little bit later than that were you even were you on board at that point yeah i wasn't fully a sense fan at that point i uh, had to wait for the dominator to make his way over uh to get me back uh on the ottawa senators train but uh i, I remember talking about this game when chris phillips uh, had his number retired and we did an episode about him and what a moment i mean uh, you always tout uh, chris phillips as having a flair for the dramatic when he's when he's in a big game, he seems to get get his goals, and the Sens seem to win when he does score too. So there is that was just another example. Chris Phillips getting it done in double OT. I feel like we've been breaking down a bunch of double OT games lately, eh? Well, this one wasn't one. I actually made a mistake, but whatever. When am I not wrong? It was a with five, four minutes left in the first overtime. Chris Phillips banging home a rebound after Marion Hosey. You'll remember him coming down the right side, cutting to the net, and it was just mayhem in the crease, on top and around Martin Brodeur, and then Johnny on the spot, Chris Phillips coming and poking it home and forcing the game seven. So that's uh, today in Sens history to start off a show. Patty Lalee made 30 saves on 31 shots. He was electric, and the reason I bring that up is because we asked Kevin Mandelazy. We didn't ask him. We gave him the idea. So if you see Marvin the Martian on Mandelazy's um, mask, you know. Credit to us. Yeah, credit to us, exactly. But Pilsy, we've we've got some uh, some moving parts now in the National Hockey League. We might be closer to hockey. 
I don't know, Ross. I mean, this is this is becoming a game of uh, the waiting game. It's a constant waiting game. Who knows when we're going to get hockey back? But at least we're getting little uh, tricklings of information and ideas. And this 24-team format going forward, that's very interesting. And I don't know. We've, we've said it a bunch on this podcast. But, man, the Senators losing the last couple games – heading into the final games of the NHL season, making sure they're not one of the uh, 24 teams possibly in the playoffs was just absolutely huge and solidifying their points percentage way down below the Ducks and the Kings, almost close to the Red Wings, was was just a huge move. So, of course, you can go to TSN, as always, and they've got it all broken down. Basically, the top four teams in each conference would get a bye to the second round, but then there would still be four rounds for them. Basically, there's a play-in, the equivalent of a baseball wild card game, a three-game best of three. But while that's going on, it makes sense. These teams with buys, they want to play too. Well, they'll play a three-game just round-robin tournament with absolutely nothing on the line, basically preseason games. But yeah, just to get the legs warm because you don't want to have that team at a disadvantage with another team who had just won, let's say, two games straight coming back and and really uh, getting the inside edge on that one, even though they're the lower team. Now, there's some other funny stuff trickling out about that. Darren Drager said that Edmonton is rolling out a lifestyle presentation <laughs> to be a hub city, saying that they're going to have secured golf courses, cool temperatures, outdoor big screens for movies and other games. Like, this is similar to what we brought up. Like, just make it a full Big Brother experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I thought it was pretty funny, uh, Edmonton trying to tout themselves as the perfect spot when, uh, I don't know how many people that would describe Edmonton as a perfect spot for many things. I don't know if uh, the NHL City Hub works that great. I would put, uh, no pun intended, but I put my money all in on it happening in Vegas. I mean, that just seems to make the most sense. You've got... All the infrastructure is there. It's empty. It's it's waiting. Um, you get better weather than Edmonton. I can promise you that. And I feel like a lot of the players are in the states, anyways, right? With the uh, the problem with the Canada-U.S. border crossing might create a big issue if you've got a lot of these guys down in the states where they're quarantined, wherever their NHL cities are, trying to come back into Canada. So that's going to be interesting for sure. But uh, you know what? Good for Edmonton putting their name on on the map and uh, trying to trying to get that to happen because that could be huge for a city to have all these NHL players here and just the exposure of being one of the two NHL cities in the league at the time so yeah well it's a situation too where I think the province of Alberta would like half in in Calgary and half in Edmonton where Edmonton of course a little bit smaller too a little bit more rural but they're both like population wise there wouldn't be any problems of being in a in a big city center and just d- being down on the harbor front here in Toronto. You see it on, on a sunny day like like today as we're recording. People are out enjoying the fresh air, as they should be, and, and proper social distancing and all that. But um, you could really do it easily in, in Edmonton and, and in Calgary. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know if it's a top. Uh, it's usually on players' no trade lists. Uh, you think they're going to go and spend <laughs> and spend an extended uh, time there. It, it, it would be kind of ironic, but I think at this point uh, it makes sense as well in terms of it seems like there was only one new case in Alberta recently or yesterday in the last 24 hours. They seem to have really slowed it down. Um, so from that aspect of safety, which is, 
paramount for this whole situation. It could actually maybe make more sense. But with the NBA leaning more and more heavily as though they're going to Disney World, which is hilarious in and its own yeah. right. Imagine NBA Big Brother and it's like all these guys are social distance on all the rides and stuff on days off. And like they made such a big deal of Michael Jordan playing golf with Danny Ainge in an off day. Imagine LeBron and Giannis uh, in the NBA Finals against each other, Milwaukee against the Lakers, and they're going on... Uh, I don't know, throw in whatever Disney. Um, they're on the teacups, and they're just spinning around, uh, <laughs> having having a grand old time. Anyways, we there's just a lot of fun kind of aspects that, that could come out of this, and it's just glad that it seems like there is a proposal now. So both the owners, the league, and the players, they're all going to have to agree on the Players Association, that is. You mentioned the borders. I don't think that'll be a problem. The president of the states is clear that he wants to open things up. And I think Trudeau as well understands, especially if it's in Alberta, especially if it could be in Canadian soil and you bring all that economy to to the hotels that they'll be using and eating Canadian food and and just the stimulus that could that could bring to the economy. I don't think that the the governments will be will be holding this up anytime soon. And um, I think that there'd be a big pushback if uh, if they happen to because sports returning really will feel like normal life some some way or another returning. I don't know about you, but I actually watched a bunch of the Bundesliga last weekend. And if you um, would even think that I'd be sitting down watching a full soccer match, I know it's in Germany, so you probably had it on your calendar already, but it would just be mind-blowing. So for that to uh, be the only sport going on right now, you just hope that hockey and basketball will see that there aren't any ramifications. There hasn't been any positive tests that have affected more than just the one UFC guy who he kind of knew. So he was already off separated um, himself. So as these more positive reactions come, you got to think that they're more and more leaning towards let's get this show on the road. Yeah, like obviously the players, the league, the owners, I think everyone's pulling to get this done and, uh, get hockey going again but it's just there's so many variables and you just then it comes to the point like how much time do you give the players between announcing when it's going to start do you do training camps uh obviously they're the way they're looking at this format is doing games that uh, won't matter but just to get the legs going again but how competitive are those what if guys get injured during those like i don't know there's just a lot of questions that i mean nobody has the answers right this is unprecedented but i would be definitely in favor of any sort of way that hockey gets back and we get some sort of playoffs going. But more importantly, as Sens fans and as the Locked On Centers podcast, we need this draft. This draft needs to happen ASAP because uh, we're dwindling down in our uh, draft prospect rankings too. So if they want Locked On Centers podcast to uh, fully lean into the draft and finish our draft rankings on time, they better get going here. Yeah, and the draft lottery, most importantly, give us the odds at least so we can get back to the hashtag tank watch, right? Because we're having so much fun. We're doing our spin every day. And I guess you can kind of throw all the numbers we've been recording out the window. But it would be really nice if at least you know where you're picking. Like, it's just killing me. And there's no way that they can do a 2014 playoff. And if you lose in the play-in, then be in the lottery, that can't, can't work like that. You can't have the best of both worlds like that. Um, but maybe a team like Montreal would rather be in the lottery. I don't know. They'd be playing Pittsburgh. It's it's unprecedented times, but you just have to embrace 
the weird. Pillsy, you mentioned we're going to get to the draft rankings. We're going to slow it down even further. We're just going to do two at a time now as we reach the 20s, and then we'll do one at a time down in the 10s, which will, which will be exciting. But before all that, I mentioned off the top, goalie-friendly show. we uh, very excited to announce that we've got another Senators goalie on the show today, Kevin Mandolese. And what uh, what were your kind of takeaways from, t- from talking with him? It was a great conversation. I mean, when you get three attendees talking to each other, we always seem to have a good time. I mean, uh, you guys can go back and listen to the episodes where we talked to Joey Decord and even further back when I interviewed Marcus Hogberg in the uh, – the underbelly of the Brampton Beast Arena, even way, way back. So we've had a couple goalies on the show, and uh, it's always been fun. But I think Sens fans are going to be a little disappointed in uh, Mandelise's favorite goalie growing up. That might uh, bring up a sore spot. But it's a great interview. Uh, a candid guy, and uh, it's going to be great to see how the relationship between him, Joey, and Mad Sogard uh, really blossoms because those guys are going to spend a lot of time together, I have a feeling, coming up in development. Yeah, we also got into his former teammate, Drake Batherson. They entered the queue together. So without further ado, it's our honor to go to Q Goalie of the Year and Ottawa Senators prospect Kevin Mandelise. We now welcome on a very special guest, the Ottawa Senators' sixth-round pick in the 2018 draft. He's coming off an outstanding season where he finished top five in the Quebec Major Junior League in wins, goals against average, and save percentage, allowing him to finish his four-year career in Cape Breton, third in the franchise's history with 84 wins. What does that do? Well, it earns you a three-year entry-level contract in the NHL and goaltender of the year in the Quebec League. Kevin Mandelise, how are you doing today? I'm good. What about you guys? Uh, we're doing as well as we can here without hockey. Uh, but I want to start right away with Marc-Andre Fleury being the one to announce that you were the goalie of the year in the Quebec League. Both of you guys played in Cape Breton, so you already have that together. But how special was that moment? And was that your first time finding out, or did you know before? Um, it was actually the uh, – I got a text the, the day before saying – I was going to get good news, but I had no idea. And uh, so, yeah, that's how I figured it out. <laughs> Waking up to uh, to that video, it was pretty special. Is he a guy who you've been watching uh, your whole life? Uh, yeah, well, for sure. I, uh, his goalie coach uh, during the summer is mine. So uh, just knowing that and knowing that he played Cape Breton, uh, I always kind of looked at his game and uh, and like kind of followed him throughout the years and especially uh, with Pittsburgh and all that. Just from uh, him being a, like from Quebec too, uh, I just always kept on following him since I'm a, I'm a young kid. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I mean, it's it's great to hear Marc-Andre Fleury announce uh, good news to you. That's, that's got to feel good for sure. But it's no fluke that you won uh, the best goalie for the queue this year because – you you really turned it on this year. And, I mean, starting in last year's playoffs, your game, it really seems that you found another level. Uh, your numbers uh, really looked great this season. Is there anything particular that uh, you can attribute to having such a good season this year that uh, maybe you uh, had different preparation or different coaching or anything like that that's uh, helped you improve this season? Um, I think it's uh, really more in my mental uh, mental game that improved. Uh, I was because I didn't feel any different on the ice or technically and stuff like that. So um, I think it's really mentally that uh, that was a game changer. 
um, I think it was just it made me able to bring my my best game like day in day out and um, bring it consistently too. So um, I think that's the biggest factor in this year and uh, last year's playoff too. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the mental approach because you won seven of your first nine starts and that was coming off being in Senators training camp. You got a little game action at the rookie tournament. We were both there in Belleville uh, working that, so we got to see you play there. Um, how much does that uh, attribute to the confidence level, knowing that you can you can stop all these pro releases heading back to junior? Well, I think everyone would say that every time they come back from a pro camp, they they like they just feel different. They feel like they they have way more confidence and uh, and it, it kind of runs with it uh, during the whole the whole year. Uh, but it, it it was for sure different because it's you're you're able to stop pro pro guys and pro shots. And after you come back and it's it's not the same same level of shots and all that. So it's, you kind of have an edge on, on uh, other people. But um, we also had a good team, so kind of uh, being able to come back and win seven seven of the first nine was uh was uh well it kind of helped me because we had a good team and um i think we also had a new coach which uh was good to start off the year with and we kind of rolled with his new system and everything kind of fell into place after a few a few weeks of play and yeah it was uh it was definitely helpful coming back from uh the camp and uh, kind of rolling with that confidence yeah, start, starting the season off hot is always uh, a good start to get the momentum rolling, and that certainly helps you. But you talked about how uh, the NHL shooters were definitely another level above uh, some junior guys. Who were yeah. some of those guys uh, when you were uh, playing with NHL caliber level guys? Who were some of those shooters that uh, really gave you a hard time? Well, it, we there's there's so many because at that at that level they they all have great shots like yeah. uh, Logan Brown, uh, Drake Patterson, uh, Duclair, all those guys, Shabbat. Like it's so many guys that, like have uh, good shots and all that. So it's tough to pinpoint one guy, but um, just overall everything's better. The shots are better. The speed is better. So it's it's tough to say one guy, but definitely all like the guys I just named were were giving me a hard time. <laughs> I like how you're uh, you're giving some props to some other French speakers. Uh, a lot of guys do Claire Shabbat, uh, um, but the the one English guy you mentioned there, Drake Batherson, who you guys actually came into the queue together uh, in yeah. Cape Breton. You played a year and a half on the same team. Did did you know right away that he had that special something? Because you played with him before he even got drafted, and he was a fourth round pick, and then really took off after. Did you see the the attri- attributes that could have could transfer to the pro game? Yeah, you saw it right off the bat. You, like his rookie year, you saw he was he was something different in every game. He got better, and uh, he was the rookie playing on his first line. And you're like, like wow, like that guy keeps on getting better, and he's just a rookie, you know. And it's you just saw that like year after year, game after game, he, he'd get better. And it's, it, I guess you just never stop. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's a guy you know pretty well in Drake Matheson. Yeah. Uh, luckily, you had the chance to play with him before he was drafted, which is pretty cool. And hopefully, you'll get to and play with him in again. the NHL. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that'd be great. But now let's get into some other uh, Senators teammates. Do you have any sort of relationship with uh, the other goalies in uh, the Ottawa Senators organization? I mean, Joey Decord, Mad Sogard, uh, Philip Gustafson, Marcus well, Hogberg. Uh, do you guys see- keep up with each other? 
We see yeah. you're always poking at each other on social media. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, me, Mads, and and, um, and Joy were pretty close. Kind of, uh, well, Joy did a great job um, since I got in uh, my first camp. Just kind of introducing himself and uh, getting all the goals together. And um, Gus and Ho- and Hoggy are kind of just low key. They don't talk a lot, but like they're 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 able to to have fun and joke around so we, we all get along uh with each other um but i'd say Matt and, and joe were pretty close we stay in, in touch during the whole year and uh we still do so it's uh it, it's yeah i'd say those two are we always kind of poke at each other and and have fun <laughs> that's awesome yeah joey's been on our show twice what a good guy and i i'm just curious a bit more of that dynamic though because you guys are are really fighting for the same job but there's that goalie community, right, where where you're all kind of the same as well. Yeah, exactly. But it, I think it started uh, for everyone since we started like uh, hockey. It, it, you always have to fight for a job, so we're kind of used to it now. Um, obviously, now it's just in, in the pros and it's a different different league and all of that. But uh, I think we just push each other on and off the ice, and uh, after that, we're able to have fun and. Uh, kind of able to spend time and, like I said, uh, have fun all together. And just, I think it's just healthy uh, for a healthy competition, and it, I think it it brings out the best of every goalie. Yeah, and you guys are all such similar in age. Right? I think Hogberg's probably the oldest at 24, mm-hmm. and you're all in that five-year uh, range. But we, Brandon and I are actually both goalies as well. Uh, men's league, not uh, anything better than that. <laughs> But uh, we always like to say we're a goalie-friendly show, so we wanted to finish off, ask you a couple goalie-specific questions. And I think Tilsey was wondering how old you were when you became a goalie. Uh, I was young. I, I think I did one, like one year, like timpid hockey as a as a player. But I I kind of changed quick. I think at like seven, I, I, I switched, and uh, I never looked back after that. So. <laughs> So what's, uh, I feel like most goalies, they usually have some sort of wacky story about how they got stuck in the net. Uh, what, what was the reason for you switching from being a Timbis all-star uh, forward to uh, getting into Greece? Uh, it's actually funny. I, um, so we were playing a Timbis uh, game, and there's missing goal and, uh, on the other team. So I was like, fine, I'll, I'll try it, you know. And um, I, I ended up letting one goal because uh, – for some reason, I was talking to the coach while the the play was was going on, and I got scored. So I was like, "Man, if I didn't if it, if I didn't think to talk to that coach and all that, I, I would have had a shutout." So it probably means I'm good, you know. I mean, uh, you you gotta let your team score one goal on you, so uh, so you keep them happy, though. So that's just what you were doing, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, also, I, also the the fact that my brother wants to change as well kind of helps. Because like he was, he's my older brother, so I kind of always looked up and we're pretty, uh, we're pretty close. So um, I think that's another factor that uh, made me change. So he he played goalie as well. Yeah. Oh, your poor mother. I know. <laughs> I know. Late, she, she late game, w- one goal games. Man, that must have been tough. I know. <laughs> she couldn't handle the the games at the end. So I'm assuming you're going to go with a Quebec-born goalie here, but who's the first goalie that you remember watching and being like, man, I want to be like that one day? Um, actually, it's uh, uh, G.S. Jaguar because one, oh. uh, one of my childhood friends, uh, his uncle is uh, is Jaguar, 
And okay, so I, cool. Yeah, so I uh, I kind of started watching him right off the the bat because obviously I, I saw him a few times, like at a couple suppers at his place, and like we talked, and he was he was really nice, and I just started look like looking up to him and watching his game, and um, yeah. Yeah, that might not be a popular answer among Sens fans, you know, since the 07 Cup Final. But, I know, I know. Hey, he, he was awesome, and I think he's, he might be the last player goalie to win a Conn Smythe on the losing team in, in 2003. He's he got to be. So good. Yeah, I think so, yeah. In his prime, and he also had some of the best gear, the uh, the Coho 580s. With, with oh, the old yeah. ducks color, what's your what's Mighty your favorite? Ducks, all, yeah. Oh man, what's your favorite all time setup? Like like pass, oh. uh, for me, it's the V threes. I love those ones. I I love those codes. To be honest, I I saw flurries all yellow. I saw I saw Jagers, so I'd have to go with those. Like they're even when Yo, uh, Jonas Huller had them in uh, in Calgary, um, they were awesome. Yeah, and I can tell you love the all yellow because uh, when you have the all yellow set in Cape Breton, that just looks so good. And I love that helmet to uh, tie it all together. I actually had yellow and black equipment uh, too. I think it looks great. Um, but you got a new set from Bauer, yeah. the red and white. Lots That's of love, man. You blew up the internet. Uh, I, I I think that it doesn't take much to blow up the, the internet uh, lately. There's not much to uh, to follow. So, but yeah. Oh no! Don't discredit yourself. Those pads are incredible. Yeah, they're they're pretty sweet. Only sucks I can't I can't like practice with them anytime soon or hopefully hopefully in a few weeks. But um, yeah, I can't wait to try them on. So we saw we saw the pads and the uh, blocker and glove, but do you have any ideas with the mask? I mean, like I said, I, I thought your Cape Breton uh, Screaming Eagles mask was just unreal. So what do you have uh, in store for the mask to tie the new Bauer setup together? <laughs> uh, right now, I have no idea. Uh, I had uh, a few uh, ideas that sound really like it's more something personal than uh, than like team related oh, but I'm, I'm working on some on some stuff right now so hopefully it turns out well i just started it i started it um i think yesterday so i haven't uh, got like a, a mock or anything like that so um but uh i'm sure i'm sure uh, the guy i'll work with will uh will do a good job well if you ever need any any um help deciding i know joey decord is the biggest goalie nerd when it comes yeah. to gear he would oh, be I know that. happy. Hey, he spends like years trying to create each pad. But um, <laughs> hey, I, we've got an idea for you too. If you want to make yourself really a fan favorite right away, play around with the Marvin the Martian, the old Patrick Laleen. Bring that <laughs> back. We we need somebody to bring that back. That, that'd be good. And he's uh, he's from Quebec too, so I don't think that'd be a bad idea. Hey, not bad, right? Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time, Kevin, and congrats on all your success, uh, whether it's in Belleville, maybe to start in Brampton, but hey, you've seen two guys in Brampton now make NHL games with Hoggy and with Joey. So we can't wait to see you back on the ice, and we need to get some puck marks on those pads. So hurry up and get back there, and uh, we'll catch up down the line, Kevin. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me, guys, and for sure I'll try to mark them up a little bit before I come back to Ottawa. That's awesome, Kevin. <laughs> Sweet, really appreciate that. that. That's awesome, man. Hope you're staying safe and staying well. And like I said, we'll uh, we'll catch up down the road. Sounds good. Uh, stay safe and stay healthy to to you guys too.
Shout out to Chris Moore and the Sens PR team for setting that up. It was great to chat with Kevin, and it's always great to finish a workout with a Built Bar. That's right. You go to BuiltBar.com, and you put in promo code LOCKEDON, and it'll automatically just take $10 off the total of your order. How easy is that? Promo code LOCKEDON, and $10 just disappears. So you can get that delicious Built Bar that's 100% covered in chocolate and easy to chew, but it won't make you feel slow with only 170 calories but it's packed packed with protein upwards of 20 grams and they've got all sorts of flavors one guaranteed to fit your palate you can go to builtbar.com put in promo code locked on pillsy without further ado it's time to get back to the ottawa senators draft board courtesy of the send central draft rankings and we are all the way up. Crazy to think we started at 50, and today we're starting with number 21, Emil Andre. How do you feel about the Swedish defenseman? Well, Ross, a couple uh, interesting things. We all know the Senators definitely have an eye for Swedish defensemen, and having said that, right off the bat, what's the first thing I noticed about Emil Andre? Well, he wears a number 65. So uh, I think uh, we can all kind of assume where he got that number and uh, who he's looking to emulate with that one. I don't know how many other number 65s uh, Swedish players there are that uh, young defensemen may be looking up to. But this guy's really interesting, Ross. And I think it's important to note, if you look up his uh, hockey DB right away, it looks very underwhelming. Only played 10 games in the Swedish Hockey League, didn't get any points, but it's important to know that in the Super Elite League, the J20 League, he had 11 goals and 27 assists in 40 games. So it's not like this guy can't put up points. It's just he was, uh, as a young kid, as a defenseman, playing in the Swedish Hockey League, it's quite the tall task. So he wasn't able to uh, get things going in just 10 games. So I think when he's playing at his own level, he he can really uh, put up points and uh, he can show that he's a competent defenseman. He's very short, five foot nine. Um, so he, he doesn't play that small, though. He can handle physical play, steps up, doesn't shy away from battles. Kind of a funny um, comparable, I mean, not funny, uh, realistic comparable, but just funny because uh, the Sens already have him. But it's Eric Brandstrom, another yep. kind of feistier, um, a feistier player. And I mentioned he doesn't shy away from contact. In those 40 games in the U20, he had 82 penalty minutes, so he he absolutely mixes it up as well as being a guy who you can count on to contribute offensively. A lot of the rankings don't have him very high, but Wheeler went out on a limb. Wheeler's got him all the way up at 15th. He loves, he says every time he sees him, he, he likes him better. And he also said these rankings were in February, so before the world changed, and he said he's the kind of guy who after the U18s, when you see him against his peer group, you're really going to see what his upside could be. Of course, there won't be any U18s. So this could be a guy who falls, but could be a steal. Like Craig Button. Uh, I mean, our list and Craig's are, are pretty far apart in, in general, <laughs> except for the next guy who we're about to talk to. We're almost on the same page there. But he has Emil Andre all the way down at 58. A lot of people have him at the end of the first round. Uh, 31st elite prospects. McKean's hockey has him at 29th. I mentioned Wheeler. The um, ve- the guy who's very high on him up at 15th. So um, he- he's a guy who I think you could probably get with that second pick. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. I think we're starting to notice this, Ross, is there's a lot of defensemen that are ranked uh, close to the end of the first round and near the start of the second round that they could get lost in the shuffle. Teams take uh, take a reach on other guys that brings them down the list more. And that's, I think, where this guy will kind of slot in. And I think it's important, too. We talked about it with uh, about Jeremy Poirier on last episode. And, I mean, you mentioned it, his similarities to Eric Branstrom. It's going to be tough for um, until we see more of what Eric Branstrom gives us to really find the need to go and get that left-hand shot defenseman that's going to play on that second pair uh, under Shabbat, who, of course, has that first pair left-hand shot side anchored. So that'll be really interesting. But again, similar to Poirier, what I liked about Andre is he uses his wrist shot a lot, and he uses it as a method to pass to guys. Like a couple of the plays I saw in his highlights, he was using that wrist shot to catch a forward sitting back door, and it's an easy tap-in. So I love when defensemen have that kind of hockey IQ where they're not just big, strong, powerful guys. They're shifty, they have good hockey IQ, and they know how to put the puck in the right place. So that was something that impressed me. But yeah, I think this is a guy that we're likely going to see slide down into the second round. Further to the Branstrom comparable, they actually both come from the same program, HV71, who's uh, known in Sweden as one of the top programs there. So uh, if he's there for one, maybe even two more years, I don't think that's a problem. And then get him over into your into your system after that. But I don't think he'll be coming over to North America next year. I think he's the kind of guy who will play a full season in the Swedish Hockey League after, as we mentioned, splitting time um, between the junior and elite league this year Rodion Amirov comes in at number 20 there always seems to be that high skill Russian just floating and you're like "Mm, when are they going to come over are they going to stay in the KHL for a little bit Um, well Amirov is that guy in this draft he's our top rated Russian skater still a goalie to come but he's our top rated Russian skater what do you have on him well, to answer uh, your question right off the bat, Ross, when you said uh, maybe he'll spend some time in the KHL, he is under contract for one more year uh, in the KHL, the 2020-2021 season. So it's likely he's uh, going to spend that year at least there. And then this is another one where you look at the stats right away, only two goals in the KHL. But you got to remember that's a kid playing in a man's league when he's playing in a league uh, with his peers in the MHL, the top event developmental uh, league in Russia, you got 22 points in 17 games. So like this guy, when he's playing at a even playing field, he knows how to put the puck in the net and, Boy, does he love to put the puck in the net. Like, the highlights I watched, every single time he scored a goal, it was like button mashing on Chell, all the Sally buttons. He was going crazy. So you love to see a kid with that kind of passion. And I think this is a really interesting pick because he's not just uh, a smooth skater that can score goals. He's really touted for his two-way game. And having a young guy that already has those good work ethic habits of forechecking hard uh, in all three zones, even the neutral zone, which I feel like a lot of people, uh, you know, they kind of lose interest in the neutral zone. It's not a lot of high-pressure situations all the time. But he's a guy that always is forechecking. This is, this is someone that 
I think could be interesting for the Sens because he's not a guy I think you're expecting to be on your top line as a sniper or anything. I think he's more of a middle six kind of guy. I would love to see him on a line, a third line, maybe one day with uh, Colin White and uh, Connor Brown on on the wing there. That would be a great checking line that can also score some goals. So he's definitely an intriguing guy, and I wouldn't mind if the Sens picked him up if he fell to them uh, at, at the later first round draft pick. So we have him at 20. Scott Wheeler has him at 22nd, saying that he plays a north-south game with a dangerous release, either off the rush or he can get it off standing skill. He's a pretty good playmaker as well. And he thought he was noticeable in the World Juniors in a, in a limited role. He had one goal, three points there. Um, so it's definitely a situation where he was playing against older men. It was the same kind of... Um, he, he's closer in age, though, to Lafreniere than he is to... Byfield, right? We always mention how Byfield was one of the youngest guys in the tournament, whereas Lafreniere, for his age group, the draft eligibles, is about as old or experienced as as they can get, whereas Amirov is only two weeks younger than Lafreniere. So I think after that one year left on his contract, the NHL team will want to get him right over, and who knows? He could be a guy that steps right into the National League. I don't know if he'll need uh, too much seasoning if he's playing a north-south game, banging bodies, and and really being a presence. So I think that Especially he's Especially in the KHL. Like, if he's doing that in the KHL, yep. I don't think there's a big point of him uh, spending time in the AHL because a lot of people say they're pretty comparable leagues. The AHL is a little tougher because guys are hungrier to try to get up into the NHL and get those fatter contracts. But... Definitely comparable. So if he can get two seasons in the KHL, he's going to be ready for pro hockey, I would say. Yeah, he's definitely caught waves. Like Elite Prospects has him all the way up at 13th on their ranking. So he's a guy who has been noticed. Rodion Amirov is number 20 on our list. The six-foot left shot, left winger uh, from Salavat, Russia. And Emil Andre. The five foot nine defenseman left shot out of Sweden with HV seventy one. That continues the Sen Central draft rankings. Yeah, so like we said, from now on, uh, we're going to be doing two prospects a day. Just you can kind of break them down a little more, especially when Parley's back here. Uh, we'll we'll get pretty much guaranteed a player comparable for every guy going oh, forward. Yeah, you know, 100%. Parley loves to do that. Um, so yeah, we're going to try to take it down to two players at a time. Cause who knows when this draft is going to be, uh, and Ross, before you wrap up, I just had a couple notes. If you guys heard some, uh, cat meows in the interview, that was, uh, my little guy Pippin making his debut on the podcast and uh, big shout out. Happy birthday, Craig Anderson, 39th oh. birthday today, Andy still with the senators. We'll see what happens with him later, but Happy birthday to Andy, and I uh, hope he's enjoying uh, some nicer weather here. Yeah, well, you know he's probably on his NASCAR simulator, yeah. right? Where else would he be? Yeah. So that's it for us today. This is the Locked On Senators podcast for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. Hope you enjoy the rest of the day. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. <laughs>